Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather every Sunday morning at 1030 as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now we continue our study, The Gospel According to John. We're in John chapter 12 as Pastor Joel brings his message, To See His Glory. We are continuing our series in The Gospel According to John. Uh, we are in the 12th chapter today. Uh, I want to like to read just a couple of those verses. If you wouldn't mind, there's a tradition uh, through church history that we stand for the reading. If you wouldn't mind standing as I read John 12, beginning in verse 23. John 12, beginning in verse 23. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. The Son of Man to be glorified. Everyone say glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Let's stop right there. The Son of Man glorified, uh, something dying to, to live, losing his life and, and hating. What does it mean to the Son of Man to be glorified? Let, let's stop and pray. Lord, as we come to your text, the words written down for us in 2022 in boring Oregon in the lives that we have, Lord, we pray that your words would be alive and active. They would pierce through our heart. They would challenge us in areas that we need to be challenged. They would, they would comfort and heal in areas that are broken. And Lord, that this morning that we could see you, that we could hear you, that the loudest voice that we hear would be that of the Spirit. Well, that's our prayer this morning. So open our eyes so we can see, open our ears so we can hear. Lord, take our hearts and soften them so that we understand. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And go ahead and have a seat. Uh, I actually want to set this message up like I do most times with, this, with an illustration of what's, what's happening here, what it means to be uh, glorified. Uh, the biggest picture I have in my mind of someone being glorified was actually on the soccer field. Uh, I love soccer. I played soccer all growing up. Uh, on my senior year in high school, I played for uh, Augusta. Uh, it was a, Augusta High School, uh, Butler High School. And we were actually a fairly pretty good team uh, my, my senior year. Uh, we traveled some for the high school, and I remember we, uh, we'd often go just over the border from Georgia to South Carolina, where there was several schools we'd play. Uh, and one of those schools that we were going to play was Aiken, South Carolina. Uh, Aiken was really, in our area, was known for soccer. We had never, we'd never beaten them, like ever. Well, we made the, like, it was like an hour bus ride uh, to go there. It was a very hard-fought game. So I, I just want you to picture that evening with me. It's January, but it's in South Carolina, so it's like 65, 70 degrees, just beautiful. It was a night game, so they had the lights out, so we felt like we were big time. Uh, just a little bit of breezy, just perfect. So when you're running, you're not, you're not hot. It's just beautiful outside. And we, we played one of the hardest fought games that we'd ever played. 
I mean, I ran my heart out, and it was only a few minutes left to go, and the score was zero to one, and we were losing. And then in midfield, somebody throws the ball into me. I knead it up, and I'm thinking, all my strikers are down near the goal, so I'm just going to launch it towards the goal, and hopefully they get a header or someone kicks it in, in the goal. We didn't have much time left. So, so I kicked it as hard as I could, but it went over all of our players' heads. Uh, and this, but the surprise of the goalie as well, who was stumbling black, back, he was going over his head as well. And the next thing you know, it was in the right upper hand corner and we had scored a goal from midfield soccer. <laughs> ha! And can you imagine, we've never, we've never beaten this team. We got minutes left to go and we just, I just scored the winning goal, one to one. And I'm running around. The, I don't know, if you've never played soccer, you just the feeling, you're running around the field, you're doing the, the airplane and whatever new dances they have. One to one, it's just awesome. And then we, the other team kicks off. A minute later, the game is called, it's, it's over. And so I go to the sideline and people are cheering. That was awesome. That was incredible. Tied one to one. Now in soccer, sometimes they go into something called uh, like a golden goal, which is afterwards. We just went straight into uh, a shootout. Now this is how it works in soccer, a shootout. You choose five players from each side and it's going to be the best of five. And then if it's tied after that, then it just goes one by one by one. So usually your top five like shooters uh, are in there. And, and so we got both our top five uh, shooters. And at the end of five, it was five to five. So what, I mean, the adrenaline is just pumping now. This excitement of this thing. And then we go on to the sixth guy, and they both made it. The seventh guy, they both made it. All the way to the 11th guy, and they all made it. We had made every single shot, 11 to 11. Now it's the 12th guy's turn. Now in soccer, there are 11 starters. So the 12th guy is not one of the stars of the team. Uh, in, in our case, our, our 12th guy was an, a boy named Richard, who was a freshman. And I think he weighed about 70 pounds soaking wet. <laughs> Richard steps up to the penalty marker and shoots and scores, and the other team misses. And we won the game. And everyone went crazy on our team, running around, screaming. We had never beaten this team ever before. And, and Richard, being so small, a couple of the guys went over there and picked him up and put him on his shoulders and were like, going around the field, yeah, yeah. Richard was the man. Now, there's a little bit in me that I was like, no, I'm the man. <laughs> <laughs> like, if I went, does everyone not remember, like, 10 minutes ago? Like, but how quickly my glory faded and Richard's glory, like, came in to be. Like, he was the, he, like, this little freshman kid, like, I won the game for everyone. Now, 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 picture, that's the picture we have of glory, Richard on the, the shoulders. But just for a moment, I want you to, to stop and imagine what it must have been like to be that other 12th boy. The, the boy who wasn't a starter on the team, who stepped up and missed the shot, the crush on his face, probably just wanting to go away and hide. There was nobody lifting him up on their shoulders unless it was to like dump him in the dumpster. The, the picture of, of glory. Now, as we come 
to our text today, we're, we're going to see this is the main idea, that the way up is down, and the way down is up. That, that picture of Richard on the shoulders and the 12th guy on the other team losing it all, somehow in, in this picture of glory, we're going to see both of these images come uh, together for us. A picture of uh, what John's going to call the glory of God. As he presents the, really the, the way up is the way down, and the way down is the way up. He's going to say to lose your life is to gain it. To love your life is, is to lose it. And maybe you're sitting here thinking, this doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, the way up is the way down. Okay, logically, that does, there's just no way that works. To love your life is to lose it. To lose your life is to gain it. It doesn't make sense. It's like some Yoda saying, right? Uh, it, it, logically, it doesn't get there. How, how in the world is the way up, the way down, and the way down, the way up? Well, this brings us to our text today. As we're going to see, uh, as John sees, this glory of God in two pictures. Two pictures that as we look at them, uh, we often see them as an opposition. One's up and one's down. The kid who scored and the kid who missed. Somehow these images uh, come together in the glory of God. And we, also, we often get it wrong or we get it incomplete. We get one or the other, but not often uh, together. And, and John, he wants us to see these two. Now we're going to have to do a little bit of a backstory as well. So you're going to put your thinking caps on uh, this morning. Uh, but you'll see them. Hopefully by the end you'll see these two images uh, of what it means to see the glory of God. Let's look again. John 12, starting in verse 12. The first image we're going to see is that of a conquering king. A conquering king who comes into the city. The, a king who doesn't need anyone uh, to tell him what to do. He tells them what to do. He doesn't take his own trash out. He has servants for that. He doesn't wash his own dishes. He's got people for that. A conquering king coming into the city. John 12, verse 12. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna, save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered these things that had been written about him, and he had been done to him. We'll, we'll, st we'll stop right there. Jesus entering Jerusalem as the king. This is, this is the type of glory that we all want. Entering Jerusalem as this conquering king. And everyone's out there putting branches down. He's bringing peace. That's why he's riding on a donkey and not a horse. He's already conquered the enemies. He's like, I'm coming in. There's going to be a peace, a new era here. Uh, Jesus enters in. He's won. And everyone's cheering. Can you imagine the disciples? They're like, Finally, I mean, after three years of sleeping in the dirt and traveling around and eating just the leftover stuff, we're finally entering Jerusalem as royalty. Here we come. But as John reflects back on this, he, he confesses, you know, as we were entering that city and we were like, yeah, here we are. We just won. He looks back and goes, you know, I, I didn't get it. I was only seeing half the, the picture. He, says, he said this, they did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, 
then he sees a different picture. And we think, when he was glorified, I mean, didn't he just enter Jerusalem as the conquering king? Isn't that glory? Isn't that what it looks like to be glorified, to be lifted up on the shoulders of people? Well, apparently, the disciples uh, had an incomplete picture. And they say, no, that, that's not the whole picture. So John goes, I, I need to paint you a, a second picture. Uh, so let's get this other image into our focus, and, and that is of a, of a suffering servant. We have a conquering king, and we have a suffering servant. Look in verse 27. John 12, verse 27. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it, was, that it had thundered. Others said, well, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him. Well, we have heard from the law that the Christ, he remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light. Let's darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. We'll stop right there again. The king, who has just triumphantly entered into Jerusalem with crowds cheering. All of a sudden we have this like plot twist. Because he's not talking about, here's what I want. This is what I want. He, he, he starts talking to them about his death. Jesus, this conquering king who is, who is to be served, all of a sudden talks about, no, 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 I have a much different purpose in mind and why I have come. I have come to bring glory to the Father. He speaks of this need to, to be lifted up. To be lifted up. But, but he's not talking about uh, on the shoulders of people. He's actually talking about, I need to be lifted up on a cross to die. These images, they, they begin to emerge here in the text. To be lifted up has two pictures, uh, two meanings, lifted up. And it's actually not something that John's making up. He actually knows his Hebrew Bible really well. And in fact, he knows one book. It's just on the brink of his mind. It's the book of Isaiah. This little phrase, lifted up, is taken from Isaiah. And John understands, I saw Jesus, and I saw both of these images come together, lifted up. So let me just take you, just on a couple uh, of the places. It's actually uh, spoken of three times in Isaiah. The first one is in Isaiah 6, lifted up. If you, want to, if you have Bibles, turn to Isaiah 6. Maybe you can just jot it down. You can read it later as well. Isaiah 6, verse 1 says this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each with six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, with two he flew. And they called to one another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Do you see the, do you see the, the picture here? Isaiah enters this throne room of the great king. 
the creator of everything, Yahweh Almighty. He's entered into this throne room and he goes, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. The glory of this conquering king permeating the whole earth. Power, majesty, might. He has servants all around. It's Richard on the shoulders of his team. The world is as it should be. And that's what we often think of as, as lifted up. High and lifted up. But John also knows this, the second usage of high and lifted up in, in Isaiah. It's only used three times if you can flip in your Bibles to chapter 52. And we'll see the next time that this phrase is, is used. And John is merging these images together. It's actually the very opposite of a king on a throne. It's that of a suffering servant. Isaiah 52, in verse 13, says, Behold, my servant shall act wisely. We've gone from a king now to a servant. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up, and shall be exalted, as many were astonished at you. His appearance was so marred beyond human semblance, and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them they see, and that which they have not heard they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he knew, for he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of the ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we're healed. That's a powerful passage, isn't it? And you see how John, knowing the book of Isaiah, uses this idea of lifted up. High and lifted up. This king image of a God who has all might and power and authority and conquering. And also high and lifted up of this servant who gets so beaten and killed, but all of it for, for our benefit. A king lifted on a throne and a servant lifted on a, a cross. And you ask, he's lifted up, which is it? What's he, what's he talking about here? And I really think it's both. Because the way up is down and the way down is up. If you, if you lose your life, you'll, you'll gain it for Christ's sake. But if you love your life and you hold on to it, you're actually going to lose it. Lifted up as a king and as a servant. But, but the people there, they, they don't get it. They don't see both those images. And even the single images, they're like, I don't want that, and I don't want that, and I surely don't understand that. Look in John 12, verse 36. Uh, the second part of 36, it says, When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him so that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe. He just quoted from Isaiah 53 there, if you, if you didn't catch that. He says, this image of this suffering servant, it's been re 
revealed to some and they, and they get it, but then there's others that just that they don't understand. How could the way up be down and the way down be up? And, and then verse 39 says, Therefore they could not believe, for again Isaiah said, and now he quotes from Isaiah 6. He says, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. Verse 41, Isaiah said these things because he saw Jesus' glory, his glory, and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him, but for the fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. What happened to Jesus, John, uh, both in his reading and his understanding and the spirit and lightning goes, I saw the glory of God. Both in this king that was high and lifted up and in this servant who was lifted up on a cross to die. I saw the glory of God. So as he sees Jesus lifted on the cross, he actually sees the coronation of a king of the universe who's conquered sin and death. He sees that the way up is actually the way down. He sees a king suffering, giving his life for others. It all points to the cross that's coming up in just a few weeks. And some get it. Like, I think I get it, but I'm so enticed by the glory of this world. I, I don't, I don't want to be mistreated. I don't want to be put down. I, I, I don't want to pick up my cross. I, I like to be lifted on the shoulders, but I don't want to be the guy who everyone makes fun of. They said, I think we'll not accept him. See, the glory from humanity, it feeds our ego, keeps us safe, makes us very comfortable. The glory of God actually uh, lays down your life. It serves others. It builds others up. It actually lifts up other people for their benefit, even above your own. But the results of all of this is that Jesus is made king. He, he's made king of the universe. All glory, it goes to his name, the Father says. The result is that Jesus made king and calls all of us into that as well. Uh, let, me, let me just read the final use of lifted up in Isaiah. We find it in Isaiah 57. And you'll see how Isaiah merges both of these pictures together as well. Isaiah 57 verse 15. Isaiah 57, 15 says, For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, the one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. He says, I dwell in high and holy places and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit for the purpose of the, the, the goal, the reason, is to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. You see this, this suffering servant and this king go hand in hand. These, these images come together and their mission is to revive the heart and soul and life of everyone. And Jesus invites you uh, into that. And we read this at the beginning. In John 12, 25, it says, Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. The way up is actually the way down. 
The way to be honored is the way of service. Uh, the way to redeem and save your life is actually to give up of your life. Look, look what C.S. Lewis wrote in Mere Christianity. He says, give up yourself and you will find your real self. Lose your life and you will save it. Submit to death, death of your ambitions and favorite wishes every day and death of your whole body in the end. Submit every, with every fiber of your being and you will find eternal life. Keep back nothing. Nothing that you have given away will, will be really yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself, and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ, and you will find him. And with him, everything else thrown in. But what would it look like if we were a community of Jesus followers that didn't reflect the glory that man has, but the glory that God has? That people would, would walk in here thinking, I'm going to get judged. People don't know what I've done. And, and yet they find these people who are safe, who, who actually engage with other people. Like, I want to hear your story. How, how can I serve you? I, I think as a church, we would have, have, and this might touch a little nerve, we would have no problem filling volunteers. Right? I mean, if we were honestly reflecting the love of God, then anything, anytime we'd have a service, like, hey, we need somebody to do this, there would be like, oh, not everybody. <laughs> you got you to put your, not everybody can serve. We only just need three or four. You know, when Ryan and I, we went, recently went to Mexico uh, to a church planters uh, conference. And so there was, there was church planters from all over the Latin world, uh, from Argentina, from all over Mexico. There's about 150 people, wouldn't you say, about there. Uh, and all of them started from this kernel of faith and desire of this one Argentinian guy. And him and his wife, they, they said, you got to get up here for this thing. It took them 24 hours. They had to fly actually to the United States so they could go from the United States down to Mexico, some visa thing. So it was 24 hours of traveling for this older guy. Uh, and he, he was like... He was the one that started it all. And he got up and spoke at the first uh, conference, the first little talk they had. And he got up there and said a few things. And then the next time we all got together, uh, he gathered up all the kids and he left. And I thought, that's kind of weird. And, and all these kids had these yellow shirts on that you can see. And the yellow shirt said, we're called two. And this guy who started, they say hundreds of churches. Uh, how many have you have read his book? Oh yeah, because he hasn't really writ written any. Uh, how many of you guys know his name? And, and I thought at that moment, when he was leaving with all those kids, I thought, now there is a man who reflects the glory of God. He doesn't care about himself. He brings all these kids outside. And he did that not, not to be known or not to be uh, told an example in a church in uh, America. He did it because he loved those kids and he wanted to reflect the glory of God. In both being honored and a very low position to be served. So here's, here's a challenge I have for you as a church. If you're just visiting, you can tune out for this moment unless you want to join us. And then this is your challenge too. Um, the challenge is, is just simply this. Uh, some of you uh, like working with kids, and some of you are like, it's really not my thing. And that's okay. It doesn't have to be your thing. 
what I'm asking you as a church to do is just serve. You don't have to go, well, I really like serving here and I don't like serving here. You know, a servant doesn't really get to say, oh, I'm not really going to do that for you. Uh, They say, yes, how can I serve? How can I give my life? And the idea is, uh, I'm asking you, would would you serve in the nursery or children's uh, service or or something? Maybe, Maybe it's just even just once a year. That's okay. If, like, kids really aren't your thing and you're like, I need somebody else there who's going to, like, protect me from, that's okay. But just serve once a year. And, and the idea is, would you serve it for a single mom who might walk through those doors, has three kids, is longing for hope, to hear some message of salvation, and yet we have no one in the children's ministry, so we're going to ask her to go down there so that, so that we can sit in service? Uh, that just seems upside down to me. Uh, the, the message of hope that, that people walking through that door need. And as they come in, if they would be reflective of our church, they were like, yeah, man, this church serves. And we, and we do. So many of us do. It's just beautiful. So uh, practically, if you're, like, if you're feeling convicted and you're like, yep, I probably should do that, uh, there are sign-ups as you walk out the door on the little table out there. Uh, we do safe kids checks, so we don't, we don't just let anybody in there. So if you've got a felony uh, before, come talk to me, and we'll work through that stuff. Um, but other than that, we'll do a background check, and we'll get you signed up. And even if you're just like, just put me down there like once a year. That's all I, that's all I need. I think it's the bigger image of like we want to reflect the image and glory of God. And what that means is both being uh, lifted up to be like being really honored, but that's in a really low service position. Uh, and we actually have lots of people in there serving, so thank you for everyone who goes down there and serves. I just, I just, the call goes out to the rest of us. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212 between Boring and Damascus, Oregon or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word, to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church.